Welcome to episode two of Bioactive. Today we're talking about CBD and some other compounds from the cannabis plant. Specifically, we're going to be talking about cannabinoid isolates. So remember that the cannabis plant makes hundreds of different molecules, and often we consume the entire plant, whether we're smoking, vaping, or taking full-spectrum products. But say you want a specific dose of CBD in your product, and the flower that you use doesn't have enough CBD in it to provide the effects that you're looking for. Or say that you're trying to make a product and can't find any flower with high levels of CBG, for example. Or, for example, maybe you want a sleep tincture to include CBN. You will have to add CBN in isolate form to get those results. Isolates, as the name implies, are single, isolated compounds. Oftentimes, we think of scientists at companies using isolates that make specific products, but it can also be one of the most affordable ways to make your own custom medicine. Today on the podcast, we have Kyle Jones, the owner and CEO of the cannabinoid company Future Compounds. Kyle and I have been internet friends for some time, but this is our first long-form conversation, and it is quite long, so feel free to take a break in the middle or fast-forward through some parts, but I seriously love this conversation, and I'm already stoked to have him back for part two. This podcast is sponsored by Bovida Humidity Packs. Bovida packs are meant to be stored with your cannabis flower. This helps control the relative humidity inside your jar, which is going to control the cannabinoid and terpene profile of your flower over time, so you'll never have to experience dry, crusty nugs. You may have seen Bovida packs in the weed bags you buy from the dispensary with your flower, but you can also purchase these for your home use. I highly encourage that you do, especially if you buy your flower in bulk. The packs come in a variety of sizes depending on how much bud you have at home. They are incredibly useful and affordable, and I noticed a huge difference when I started using these, and now I could never go back. I also want to note that every single Bovida employee that I have spoken with has been incredibly happy working at this company, and I have so much respect for them for being an ethical employer and helping fund education like this podcast. If you want to purchase some Bovida packs, the links will be available in the show notes of this episode. Welcome to the show, Kyle, and if you wouldn't mind just giving a little more of an introduction of what you guys do at Future Compounds. Yeah, well, first off, thank you for having me, and as I've already discussed, I have a lot of respect for you, so being a guest on your podcast is an honor, so thank you. Um, for uh, myself, you did a great intro. I'm the uh, founder and CEO of Future Compounds. Uh, we make ultra, super ultra refined isolates, which a lot of people use as input ingredients for their CBD products, whether that's personal or a business. Um, and then we also make extremely high dosed, um, very clean finished branded products in the CBD space that mimic essentially the clinical research that's been done on CBD so far. Yeah, so a lot to break down, even in this first, like, sentence, but this is so exciting. So first, let's just talk about, like, what an isolate is, because sometimes isolates get a bad reputation or name um, in the cannabis space, because there's some people kind of making different things with isolates, but you guys are really doing it right. You're creating super refined, clean products, as you say. You provide uh, analysis material to show your customers that you provide very clean products, and an isolate is just 
one single compound. And this varies a lot from other cannabis products that we might be seeing, like these full spectrum or these broad spectrum extracts that might have hundreds of different compounds in them. So, I mean, without divulging too many of your secrets, um, how do you go about producing um, isolate products? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'll just be straightforward. Anything that we do is pretty much open. We don't have anything that we would classify as intellectual property. Um, so I'll just kind of go into the very basics, right? So as you said, an isolate is as simple as that. It's just an individual isolated compound. And as you said, in cannabis, we have, if not hundreds of compounds within a single flower. That is overwhelming just to think about. So Really, all an isolate is, is say you take the cannabis plant or hemp plant, right, as a flower, let's now call that biomass. That biomass is now processed or what we call extracted. Um, there are many ways to do that, whether it's hydrocarbon extraction or ethanol slash alcohol extraction, just different forms of extracting the essential oils from the, the biomass. That now is what's called the crude oil, just like crude oil for a car, right? So now that needs to be refined even further. That's where you would find your broad spectrums, your full spectrums. That's that like first extraction, right? Um, then from there, you can now do specific techniques that will isolate just a single compound or single set of compounds. And that's really all an isolate is, is biomass, extraction of crude, crude further refined and to a selected individual isolated compound. Thank you for that. Yeah. And, you know, when I first started making products, I was kind of against using isolates, to be completely honest. Um, I was kind of like, you know, preaching this notion of natural ratio, like whatever that plant makes, like there's a there's only so many different compounds and how many of or the abundance of each of these compounds that the plant can make. It only has so much energy. And I think there's something kind of special about that from a natural product standpoint of having exactly that profile that the plant makes. The issue comes with therapeutic rele relevance because that plant really isn't going to be producing the amount of these different compounds that the research shows is effective for any sort of condition like anxiety or pain or inflammation. So, and not just that, I mean, standardization in general, like it's very, very difficult to get a consistent chemical profile if you're only just extracting the plant. I mean, even that plant, if it's the same strain grown one place and another place, it's going to have a different you know, ratio, different amount of these active compounds. So if you really want it to be dosable, consistent and standardized, uh, you do kind of need to add isolate and... You know, I made a YouTube video actually using your products to show how I make my tinctures uh, for, you know, family members, myself, etc. For a very select, you know, group of people I make products for. Um, and I do use your isolate of CBG, CBN, CBD. And I, I find it very, very helpful for making these products. And they seem to be really effective for the people that I'm making them for. But if you go and you look and, you, you know, you go to Walgreens and you pick up a CBD product that dose that you're typically getting in a serving size of a typical CBD product is so far below the effective dose. It's so, so small that it likely isn't really going to be effective for what you're looking for. Um, so you really need high, high levels of or high doses of specifically like CBD. I think that has the most research on it. 
for CBD to get these certain effects. Um, but, oh, sorry, we'll kind of stick here for a second. Yeah. And I guess that's kind of why you made the products you did at those doses. And I recommend these products to so many people because you cannot find other CBD products that are at the doses that you provide. So if you wouldn't mind just talking about like what kind of doses are included in like your gummies and your tincture and how does that compare to your competition? Yeah, absolutely. That you just nailed it on so many points in that topic and it's funny cuz just in that, you know, couple sentences that you put together was essentially the evolution of how we mature to this point too. So um, I would like to unpack that in a little bit, but I'll go ahead and get to the the question. So um, our doses, what we simply did was just compile all the research that we could find on CBD. Like you said, that's where the majority of the double blind placebo legitimately concluded researches. And for us, for you, right, you have much more uh, chemistry background and collegiate background than we do. It has to be that way, right? There has to be factual pieces of information to build something off. Um, so that's all we did. We just went through the research and identified, well, this is pretty black and white that the 20 milligram range, and then I'm seeing research that's in the 200, 400, 600 milligram range at the starting dose of therapeutics. I'm like, okay, it's just too clear, right? Especially when we're diving into creating a hypothesis. Well, here's eight research papers that are at this end of dosing. And then I see products on the shelf with no research whatsoever. Uh, it's just was too clear. So uh, to answer your question, when it comes to any other product, it's surprising because I still can't find um, any other product that's really at this high, higher dose. Um, and for us, we call it high dose, but we truly just think it's what the accurate dose should be. So it sucks that we have to call it high dose when we really think it's just what it should be. Um, it's funny, there's not a single product out there that has the doses that we have. And I don't say that uh, from a cocky standpoint, please don't take it that way. Um, our gummies start at what we think is the lowest dose possible, which is 100 milligrams per serving. Um, and we think that's kind of like a starter dose. It's really just dip your toes in the water and see if you even feel that dose or if you're hypersensitive. Yeah, please go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I actually love that they're in 100 milligram gummies because when people come to me and they're like, I want to start using CBD products, you know, I explain to them that the effective dose is typically between 300 and 600 milligrams. But going from zero to 600 milligrams is a little bit aggressive. It's the same thing if you were to start any cannabis product, you really should take kind of a stepwise approach and get your body used to that, train your body to be kind of ready to be introduced to more and more of that product. So I actually love that they're in 100 milligram gummies because people can start to train their body really easily and they don't need to just like start with, you know, 500 milligrams. Absolutely. And that's all. That's really what it is. It's like a starter dose with very easy rounded numbers, 100 milligrams. It's such an easy, manageable, trackable number for you to increase to find out what your body really appreciates, right? Um, it's such an easy way to go through an entire weeks of dosing, start at a lower dose, like 100 milligrams, maybe two or three times a day, see what your body likes and just start to kind of evolve from there. So that's where our gummies are is 100 milligrams. That's where you start. Um, our tinctures are 
our highest concentrated product, which is 200 milligrams per serving um, and 25,000 milligrams per four ounce tincture bottle. And then we have really what's like used for more severe kind of conditions or just lifelong CBD users, which is a 100,000 milligram coconut oil. And that dose ranges from 450 to 1,350 per single serving. Which, which is amazing because, I mean, the price point that you guys are selling stuff at is the same price point that other companies are selling products at that have, you know, hundredfold less active ingredients in it. And something that I actually love about your products is you don't really greenwash them like you see with so many other CBD products. Like the packaging is very like, you know, it pops in your face. It's kind of like industrial. It's, it's kind of hardcore. And I like it actually a lot because I don't know if you've seen these different videos of these creators taking something like monster energy and then like greenwashing it into making it look like a health product but Mm -hmm. that's a lot of sales in the cannabis space is just marketing and advertising it's really not the quality of the product or how many milligrams of active ingredients you're getting it's just like how that product is presented to you um so just kind of a side note that i've always appreciated that about your products well, thank you. And, and you know, it was actually um, intentional because just like you said, we saw so many CBD companies where it's like a girl walking up a mountain with her dog and it's like, this is going to save your life. And it's like yoga. It's, like, it's <laughs> yoga. always yoga. Like, okay. <laughs> so it was just so cliche that we're like, and first off, it's just not our style. You know, we're like rugged technician extractors like it just wouldn't have gone with our personality either so it just worked twofold as to like we don't it's not that we don't believe in like being healthy and walking your dog or doing yoga it's just we wanted to make it more science factual based and like you said more rugged and just to the point right um our products are the same we didn't uh i love that term greenwash we didn't greenwash our ingredients either like the coconut oil, it's simply just very good organic coconut oil in isolate. That's it. There's no, there's no like fluff and puff. There's no nothing to skew what you might get from the product. Um, same with the tincture. It is just simply organic flavoring. And, and for, yes, we wanted some sweetener. So we just use stevia, right? There's no craziness in it. It's very straightforward. Um, and then the gummies that, you know, of course gets kind of, you know, it's got a lot of ingredients, but, uh, yes, we wanted to stay away from the green wash kind of marketing fluff and puff and just straight to it. We didn't want to, um, essentially take advantage of people from a marketing standpoint. We wanted them to be able to divulge and get very, very quickly to what they need uh, to feel better. Cool. Yes. And yeah. I guess to the point of like making decisions by yourself too, I think what's really cool is when you purchase isolates, you can really customize your product for yourself and you can also you can make a product that is really affordable and accessible, which if you do take a lot of CBD products and you're used to purchasing your CBD products at a boutique or whatever, like great, I, you could you should keep supporting small businesses, but for a lot of people, like the price point of that CBD is just so far beyond what they can afford. So, I mean, Again, like if if you do make products at home, you can add, you know, you can add some THC into your products and you can add other active ingredients. And this is something, you know, we'll talk about the research more too, but I think something that the research is really missing is the, 
the concept of synergy because we have we have some research that's just THC for things like anxiety and pain and inflammation. Then we have just CBD. And a lot of people are saying like physicians would say, you know, just take the research on CBD and the research on THC and try to figure out where that where that perfect medium ground is. And we don't know if that's true. And we still don't know if that's true with, you know, hundreds of different compounds in there. So I think for people who either don't want to use THC or don't want to leave anything up to guessing, um, just using like a CBD isolate can be a great starting point to your like healing journey or your just introduction into, um, you know, cannabis products. And for any of the listeners too, um, if you're wondering if CBD is psychoactive, it's gonna make, if it's going to make you feel high, if it's going to make you like feel anything specific, it doesn't make you really feel anything specific, but it is very therapeutic. So people call it um, psychoactive, but not psychotropic. So psychotropic is something like THC that's going to make you feel altered in state. Um, it's going to make you feel high. Whereas CBD is very active in your brain. It can bind to different receptors, including like, your serotonin receptors, um, which is great. And that's part of why it's very useful for anxiety. Uh, But it's not going to be inhibiting, like you'll still be able to drive a vehicle, you'll still be able to go to work, you're still going to be able to hang out with your kids, etc. So it's a really good kind of introduction into cannabis medicine, because you don't have that question of uncertainty of am I going to be way too high? Am I going to, it's going to be very unpredictable effects. Yeah, you nailed it. And thank you. There's so many people in our industry, uh, the cannabis industry specific, that miss that point. Um, Psychoactivity just means, is it doing something neurologically, right? Is it connecting to synapses? Is it working with receptors? Just something that's psychoactive. And yes, CBD is psychoactive. A lot of things, coffee, there are so many things that we consume that are psychoactive. The easiest term that we like to use is it's it's psychoactive but non-intoxicating. And it's like, it's just such a common term that people understand, oh, okay. So it's doing something in my brain, but it's not like as if I was getting drunk where I'm essentially inebriating my thoughts, my actions. So um, like you said, it's very therapeutic. It's very basic. I like to put CBD on the simple analogy of take cannabis and then take just the body high And that's like kind of what you could call like the feeling of CBD. It's just a physical relaxing uh, compound, right? Yeah. And I kind of just love to ask people this too, but do you use CBD products? Do you use THC products? Like what are your favorite products to use? Yeah. So I used to consume a lot of THC based products uh, when I was younger. I'm 32 now, so I'm not an old man, but um, (laughs) I do have two children. I own several businesses. And when we had our second child, I quit smoking cannabis just because I gosh, I don't I started to get like really paranoid and a high amount of anxiety from THC specifically. I also like, you know, I started cultivating at a young age out of nowhere, I started to really generate like major allergic reactions to dry cannabis where I would get hives. Yeah. Like, so if I was walking through my gardens and brushing up against plants, I would just end up breaking out in hives. My body started to truly tell me I don't like THC. Okay. So you gotta listen to your body. It's like the most important skill you can have in life. So good for you. Thank you. So, I mean, clearly, if I'm just like having high anxiety, I'm like overthinking, I'm in paranoia. Okay, I'm not going to do that. So I decided to not smoke 
Delta 9 THC, tried to consume Delta 8. It was more mild. Um, and then we were already into like high CBD production and things like that. That's when I just fully quit smoking high THC and went all the way into CBD. And I can't even tell you my anxiety is more manageable than it ever has before. And now I will say I'm not like clinically anxious. I haven't been like diagnosed or anything. I don't take any other medications. It's just normal like life stress, right? Like how's tomorrow going to be? Like, is my business going to survive? Are my children taken care of? Just like yeah. life stress. Um, CBD has reduced that so much. It's been a blessing. Um, reducing that anxiety has increased my level of sleep tenfold, right? Um, just stress, you know, right? Stress in increases cortisol. There's so many things associated with stress. So relieving stress and anxiety is probably... I would think one of the healthiest decisions you can try and make for your life. 100%. And you nailed it on the head with sleep. I mean, I think that's sleep and water. These are factors that people kind of tend to just put off to the side like, oh, those are just details in my life. <laughs> yeah, I've got water here too. It's like, yeah. it's like you, if you find your health is like kind of not where you want it to be, like sleep and hydration and exercise are probably the three places you should target first and then adding exogenous things like CBD and THC and pharmaceuticals, you know, whatever works for you. And I think it was also a really good point. You said, you know, you're not clinically diagnosed as having an anxiety disorder, but as humans, we all are subjected to very high levels of anxiety, um, especially like, as you said, you own multiple businesses, you have a family. So you're not just worrying about yourself, you're worrying about this whole network around you. And I think for listeners, like you don't need to be clinically diagnosed with anxiety to try a CBD product. They are very, very safe up to extremely high doses. Not saying you should take, you know, 20 grams, but, <laughs> you know, at, at the levels we're recommending of, you know, 300 to 600 milligrams, they've been proven to be extremely, extremely safe. And I will say if you are on other pharmaceutical medications, specifically for things like anxiety or other chronic conditions, um, definitely check out any drug interactions talk to your doctor there's some websites like uh, drugs.com and I'll put another one in the in the description here I forget what it's called but you can just look right on those websites type in the medications you're taking type in cannabidiol CBD and it will tell you if there's any documented um, drug drug interactions because Realistically, the higher the dose of CBD that you're taking, the more of that molecule that your body, your liver needs to process. So these enzymes in your liver are processing those molecules. And if you're taking a bunch of other drugs and the same enzymes need to process all these different drugs, it's just something that you should be aware of. It's not super, super common. And I'm not saying to like, you know, hyper focus on this subject, but just if you're in charge of your own health, well-being and, and healing, it's something that you should just kind of get used to looking into um, as you take new products. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll segue into a really good study that was conducted about CBD dosing and then liver enzyme increase. So um, as you said, you can probably take a lot of CBD without truly any I can't say any, I won't make any medical claims. And I do want to say I'm not a doctor, um, if you couldn't tell. Um, but <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll put that disclaimer on every single episode. Perfect. This is not medical advice. We are not yeah. physicians. Talk to your own yeah. doctor, et cetera. 
And do your own research. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so it's, you know, I've talked about this a lot, so it'll probably, you know, kind of be boring for you at this point. But um, okay. It, OK, um, there is, the, you know, the one FDA approved CBD product, which is Epidiolex. Um, that is a CBD tincture used for seizures within, you know, patients with high um, epileptic uh, syndromes, things like that. Um, so which is great because they have had a lot of double blind placebo studies. So there are like really, really good studies on this. And they didn't notice um, an increase in liver enzymes until the dose got above 20 milligrams per single kilogram of body weight. Okay. Now that was only a 30% increase in liver enzymes. Not only, sorry, 30% increase in liver enzymes is a lot, right? But that was also in patients that are clinically epileptic, probably have other health conditions as well. You have to remember that study at 20 milligrams per kilogram. Okay, let's just do that math real quick. I am 165 pounds divided by 2.2 puts me at 75 kilos times 20 kilograms per kilo. That's 1500 milligrams per single dose that I would have to take to be at even a possible risk for liver, liver enzyme increase if I wasn't a, like a healthy young individual, okay? So there's a lot of room there. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. And thanks for doing that. That's, you know, it's always good to put that into like relevance, you know, 1500 milligrams. Again, that's not the dose we're recommending. That's not the dose that, that science recommends or likely your doctor would either. Um, so if you really stay in that therapeutic window that we're talking about, there is really low risk, especially in comparison to like other pharmaceuticals, other even natural products. Um, higher doses of many things cause a variety of different issues in the body. So CBD has been proven to be very, very safe and effective. And so, I think another question that um, some of the listeners might have, maybe maybe they don't want to buy your products, which is totally fine, right? The whole world's not going to buy all one CBD product. Um, but could you give any advice for these people looking to buy CBD products? What are you looking for, like, to find a high-quality CBD product or even something like a CBN product, just some sort of non-THC cannabis product? What are, like, the, the top things that we're looking for for a quality product? Ah, that's such a loaded question, and I hate to make this confusing for anyone that's listening. So I'll I'll put it to like a, a CBD product shopping 101, okay? First, you want to absolutely make sure that the company seems like an established, mature business, whether it's a small business or a large business, at least it's been there, right? It's not just, it'd be the same as if you were shopping online and the website looks janky. It looks like a scam. Okay, don't buy from that, right? So just first look for maturity in the sense of you think you can trust that brand. Okay, that's first, right? As you would anything. Okay, yeah. then, yeah, you know, and then from there, you can go much more deeper into validating that trust level. So for me, if I'm looking at a product, number one, do I think I trust the brand? Okay, if that's a yes, cool, let me dig deeper. Next is gonna be things like a certificate of analysis or a COA for that product. What a certificate of analysis is for the, you know, kind of beginner listeners is most companies, there isn't regulation in the hemp space. So not every company has to do this, but most companies who are transparent about their products will have their products tested. 
These are tested by a third party, so not their company, a completely different testing facility. And those testing facilities have to follow standards. They're called ISO standards, okay? So those facilities, the testing facilities, should run multiple assays or different tests. Those tests can be different levels too. So I'll just briefly explain the differences in the testing parameters. You could have just simply a potency test. So that's just, you know, how much CBD, CBG, you know, the cannabinoids, how much cannabinoids are in that. That's good. You want to know that, but that should pretty much correlate with what their packaging is saying. So I wouldn't really call that like a safety test. It's just like a, a validation test. Okay. But from there, what we do is what's called a full panel assay or a full panel test. So that's potency, microbials, mycotoxins, heavy metals, um, pesticides, and then solvents. So, you know, that's a pretty detailed test that will give you a pretty general basis if that product is relatively safe from at least the standards that a testing facility has. So some companies do those tests, some companies only do potency tests, and some companies don't test at all. But if for me, if I'm consuming a product and let's say my company isn't around, I'm making sure that company is someone that I semi think I trust and they have a full panel COA. If they don't, I'm not even gonna think about purchasing that product. Yes, thank you for that, um, for sure. And so these should be available just on the website, right? Not like you wouldn't have to hold that product in your hand to be able to, to get that COA. Absolutely, I think that's just good business. Um, you should be able to find, like for example, if you're like purchasing something on Amazon or another website, it should have the product description, right? So when it comes to selling our kind of products like CBD or any THE product, the COA should be like, that's your product description. I shouldn't have to tell you really anything as long as you understand the COA, you should know that that product's safe. So it should be on the website. Um, like for example, I'll just give you an idea of like what we do. It's on the website on the specific product itself, that batch test for that product. On top of that, if you purchase the product, you get a physical copy of that COA, as well as on the packaging of the product is a QR code that is a live QR code that has that result for the batch that you bought. Um, I know for a fact that our company is more extensive and detailed on that process than pretty much any company I've seen, but at least that's an idea of like the extreme of providing transparency. If they're somewhere in that realm, okay, you might be okay with purchasing that product. Yeah, and I, I really think transparency is key. And you kind of describe these different ways that you can see the transparency of a company. But even further, like if you're diving further, most of these companies will have a social media account too. And I really appreciate when different CBD companies or even dispensaries and THC companies are talking about their products. They're providing educational information on them because like that is who we want to see providing that information. You're producing products. So if you can make videos or even posts or anything about these products, look at their reviews, look at the comments on their social media videos. You know, does it say like, I hate these products, they didn't work for me and <laughs> they tasted like shit. Like, like, okay, like maybe I don't wanna buy that product. Maybe I'm gonna go to something else. So, there, you know, there's a lot of different companies out there so definitely like do your research. It's it's fun to look at what these different companies are producing and in what pro and what products like resonate best with you. Um, and I think you guys do a great job at that too. You know, you guys have 
you've really become more and more, you know, present on social media. And I love it because it's not just these like quick facts that everyone wants to hear. You're kind of digging into like the nuances of the CBD industry and you're talking about the research and, you know, you have other people talking about it and you're really trying to just increase that transparency and answer questions that people have, which is huge. Absolutely. And, and thank you. I, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for what you do. I wish you were on the team. I love what you do. I love your style of uh, content and you're just so fluent on the camera. I really, really love what you do. I could engage your con- I could engage with your content on a daily basis. I love it. Um, but, uh, of course. Yeah. Um, so and it's, you know, if anyone knows, actually, you know, you could probably speak to this better than I can. Um, it is so hard in the THC, CBD, or just in the cannabis education space, social media hates us. It sucks. <laughs> like, like, I don't know what to do here. Dude, I just talked to someone from Meta, like somebody who actually worked at Meta. Yeah. And he was essentially actually it was one of the people who helped get my account back when it was banned mm. 10 times last year literally 10 times last year yeah. uh, which is crazy because i do provide educational content but he was essentially saying like you wouldn't believe what is on the algorithm as far as like preventing cannabis information from reaching the masses wow. like it is integrated into no. Yeah, in, into that platform. So, you know, he told me, like, I'm obviously shadow banned because I've been deleted so many times and I constantly produce content about THC, CBD, cannabis, which I don't care about. Like, I, I mean, I'd love to reach more people. That'd be great. But as long as I'm reaching the people who need my information, that, that's all I care about. I, you know, whatever. But it's pretty messed up that these platforms that we think are these, like, free form by chance, you might create really nice content that reaches everyone. It's just not going to happen for a lot of people in the cannabis industry. And that's unfortunately a reality that we kind of have to deal with because there's nothing we can do about it. Even this person that I was talking to at Meta, he's like, yeah, I have no control over this either. It's it's far beyond me and it's far beyond you. And it's like, great. <laughs> well, and it's really frustrating because, you know, all from an educational standpoint, it's just, I think, ignorant because we should be able to share and express we're not always going to be right. No one's ever right, you know, consistently. So it's like, we should be able to just have open speech. We won't definitely won't get into that conversation right now. Um, but so from, from my side of the table as a business, this is how I feed my family. This business, I think helps people's lives. I'm not just, you know, here to get people high or like flex a weed bag on the internet. Like, you know, our company, I think, actually helps people. So to think that we are being limited to helping people based on that, it's like, it's really, really frustrating. And we honestly don't know what to do about it, except for just, you know, keep fighting the good fight and hope, you know, things change. But it's it's really frustrating and hard. So, but like you said, that's why it's so important for us to be transparent because we may only have a limited window where we actually can really talk to someone and, in that very short amount of time, we have to be genuine. They have to trust us. We have to be able to trust them back and engage. It's like we already know we have limited reach. We have limited ability to help people, you know, just from our restrictions. So it's like I'm going to make the best use of that time and be as genuine as I fucking can or else what's the point of doing it? Like I might as well sell shoes or use cars. Like there's no point, right? Yeah. So. I- couldn't agree more, but I mean, we'll keep nope. fighting the good fight and maybe 
Maybe eventually we can change the world. <laughs> All right. So this portion of the podcast is called High Thoughts. And it's going to be questions from some Patreons, which I encourage to also be obscure as possible. But you can ask anything that you want. From Ragstone26, and they ask, I have tried making products with Future Compounds Isolate before. When I add the isolate to my container uh, with like the rest of my extract, it stays in little chunks and doesn't mm. fully dissolve. Do you have any recommendations to, f to prevent this from happening? Okay, yeah, so um, isolate is an oil-based um, product, right? It's an oil-soluble compound. So if you're mixing that with another oil-soluble compound, you're going to, if you want those to homogenize, Number one, you're going to have to have them both be in a liquid state before semi-liquid state before introducing each other. Right. Um, it's it's the same as like if you were to try and put sand into like a piece of bread, it's like it's just not going to work. Um, so if you wanted to mix like let's say dabs or concentrates with an isolate. You're gonna have to get those into a, a much less viscous state, um, and that's hard for the like just normal person at home without like lab equipment. So, yeah. um, the other really really easy way is to just mix any of these cannabinoids that are oil based into a really like liquid oil, like an MCT, a coconut oil, anything like that. They'll dissolve relatively easy in those. Um, yeah, so I mean that's it's. Or you could simply, like, let's say you're just trying to consume, you could literally just, like, take a dab, take a little bit of isolate, and, like, smoke it like that. Or, yeah. I mean, there's there's different ways. You might just have to get a little bit uh, creative with it, but, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I appreciate that advice, um, and hopefully they do as well. Um, and what I recommend, too, like, when I'm making my extracts and products, I'm using some sort of infusing device because I add in some flour, whether it's THC flour mm -hmm. or CBD dominant flour, and then I add in the isolate to kind of supplement that profile. So I make sure that when my product, when my flour is done infusing into the coconut oil, as you're talking about, Kyle, um, I make sure to add the isolate while it's still warm. And I yes. found that that helps like more than anything when you add in even a lot of isolate because I'm often adding, you know, maybe it's like 500 milligrams of one compound, 500 of another, 500 of another um, to these different containers. So I make sure to add those right after it gets in out of the infuser and it seems to go into solution really easily. If you have a, you know, if you have a oil or something that's not warmed up, I would just like your hottest setting on your tap water, create a little water bath and then put your container into that little water bath and that should heat up the oil, not too much to like, you know, have any degradants, but enough to allow the solubilization of these different isolates into solution. I don't know if you guys ever do that too. A hundred percent. I mean, you nailed it. If if you're taking isolate into oh, just a, like an edible oil or a consumable oil, it's actually relatively easy to get a homogenous solution. It does absolutely need to be warmed. So again, if you're at home and don't have any lab equipment, one of the best techniques is doing like a double boil like you would with chocolate, right? Where you like put chocolate in a, a glass container and now that's sitting over boiling water in a pot very easy way to like kind of do that at home right um so heat up your oil whether it's mct whatever you're infusing mix the isolate have that fully homogenized and then possibly mix that with your other again it's just about if you try and take too many solids at once and have them all homogenize at once 
that's very difficult, right? So when we're formulating, we're formulating ingredient at a time, depending on what temperature rating they can take, what's their solubility, things like that. So, but if you're at home and you have uh, the desire to make a tincture, get your oil warm, hot. Um, you can go, I'll tell you our settings. We're at, gosh, we're in Celsius. So I'll convert it. Um, in Fahrenheit, we're at about a, a hundred Fahrenheit on just like a regular oil. Make sure the boiling point of that oil is far below that, right? Or sorry, it's, it's higher than that. So you're not going to boil your oil. Um, but yeah, just get it hot and make sure isolate in, use some agitation, whether it's a wisp, a spoon, um, any kind of agitation and warm oil, and it will homogenize very easily. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think we we talk about kind of doing these home things like they might be really complicated and take a lot of time, but they really don't take that much time, especially, you know, you might need to invest a hundred or two hundred dollars into your whole setup to make sure you have a little scale to make sure you can weigh out your isolate to the to the proper decimal point. It's accurate. You might need to either learn how to activate your flour and extract your flour or if you don't even want to do that you might just need to invest in some coconut oil but over time I think um, people who do make their own products have a lot of pride in their products they're more likely to use their own products and if they find that whatever product that they made before isn't really doing the trick you can tweak that in the future your next batch you might say okay i need more cbd i need less cbd i need more cbg i need you know these different ratios and that's really where it becomes kind of empowering to be in charge of your own health because you're the one making your medicine and over time it's actually much much cheaper to make your own medicine compared to uh, purchasing from again some of these companies that are charging a lot of money for CBD products. Yeah, it's great. And you nailed it. It's like, think about making your own formulation at home as if you're going into learning how to make and cook your own food for like a health journey, right? It's like something you have to invest in. It's something you have to put time and energy. You have to research recipes, techniques. How long do you bake things? It's like some and I'm guilty too, but some of us in the cannabis space, it's like we want everything to be easy. And it's like, just nothing in life is is that easy, right? We all have to put in a little bit of work. Um, but again, it's not as hard as it may sound. You don't need like a lab grade, you know, stirring hot plate and a reactor. It, I would HVLC. <laughs> you don't need a hydrocarbon extractor in your kitchen. Okay, you're gonna be. Yeah. Um, I would say it's as difficult as like learning how to cook. Okay, it's like. Everyone does it. You can definitely learn how to do it. And the tools are there for you. And it's just not, I know it sounds daunting, but it's it's really not. Um, and you can always reach out to Riley or reach out to us at Future Compounds. And so many other people in the industry w totally will help you, you know, make an at-home remedy. And it's it's really cool to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I talk about this with a lot of other natural products. It's kind of this concept of forced intention when you are making your own product because you're taking time out of your day to focus on your health and your medicine and your well-being and what you want to take for the future to improve your health. And, you know, that might take a couple hours, but during that entire time, you're focusing on you and you're really 
you know, focusing on what you can do to improve your life. And I think that concept of loan, and as you said with food too, like, yeah, if you if you make your own food, if you harvest your own food, whether it's meat or, you know, in your garden, that takes time. But there is nothing more satisfying than sitting down and eating a meal that you put time, energy, and love into, and it's nourishing your body. I agree. It's like kind of the same concept, food and medicine. And what's so cool about that is now you have such a better understanding for not only the product that you're working with, but then also your body, right? You're not going to cook something that you then hate and then continue to cook it. No, you're going to find ingredients that you like, find meals and recipes that you enjoy doing and you enjoy the aftertaste. It's like working with your medicine is the same thing. You become so much more elevated in the sense of understanding your medicine and how that works with your body. And now you're in so much more control. You don't need a company like me. You don't need a brand. You are now your own like master of your, you know, your journey. And that's, again, like you said, it's such a liberating feeling. So it's such a great way to go and more affordable. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And then you just need to, you know, move off grid in the middle of nowhere and you're yeah. all set for that. I'm just kidding. Yeah, just um, like, like Dustin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so we're getting close to the end of this podcast. So I want to just kind of ask you a few, just kind of life questions for listeners who, you know, maybe they want to get into the cannabis industry. Maybe they want to get into making isolates or, or, cannabinoids of some sort so i mean first like what are your goals with future compounds in the future like where do you where do you see your yourself going great question um so you know i've been in the cannabis space for over a decade now um we ended up going to future compounds because getting a thc license was just like nearly impossible and for the average guy like myself and gal like you, or it's like, I don't have $10 million. I can't start a THE license. I mean, unless you're, you know, if you have 10, you know, give it, come on, let's start one. So, you know, we, we started a CBD manufacturing business because that's what our background was. But after seeing so many amazing life experiences and talking to people that are, you know, they're, they're chill. My, just so you know, my youngest son is, is autistic. He's on the spectrum also has a heart condition. Um, I have now engaged with so many parents that have children with autism that use, uh, cannabinoids for their children. And it's like, after hearing so many beautiful stories, it's like, I'll do this for the rest of my life or as long as the law permits me. And even if not, I'll still fight it and go for it. Um, even if it made me absolutely no money and I broke even, future compounds would always at least be something. Um, so that's number one, just the the beauty of being able to work and help people. Um, where do I see it going? We left it as future compounds because we eventually want to play with everything on the world. So um, it could go anywhere. We, we just want to go with essentially wherever we can take it. Um, And I just see it continuing to grow, the community to grow, the amazing stories to grow, um, and just building this super badass community of good people wanting to be better, wanting to feel better, and wanting to now share that experience with their loved ones and friends. So that's what, to me, Future Compounds is, a community of good that grows. And I I love that you said you kind of left it open for the future, you know, whatever that means. And I think a lot of people 
the first kind of dose of that natural product, like being in charge of your own medicine, is cannabis. But then it kind of extends a lot further after that. It's like, oh, <laughs> there's all these other medicinal plants. There's medicinal fungi. There's so many different things. And, you know, I've seen, you know, I haven't been in the industry that long, but I've been in natural products for a while. And, you know, I've always been interested in mushrooms, but it, it was almost like very stigmatized to say that mm -hmm. you loved mushrooms, even if you were talking about like cordyceps or chaga or something. Um, but now you really see like the cannabis industry kind of switching to mushrooms almost. Um, so it's kind of cool just to see the evolution of people's interests, not only in the industry, but as we continue to educate and destigmatize about these different natural products, the public's interest also kind of goes up about these products because you have these different experts in the field saying, hey, they're safe and effective. You you know, this is the research that's coming out about this. These are the potential health benefits. And then you have companies like yourself that are then going to take that research, that information and make it accessible and make it public for people to actually utilize these products for their own health and well-being, which is awesome. Thank you. And I'll add to this question as well, where I think a lot of people, the general consensus within the U.S. at least, and also really abroad, um, a lot of people are starting to see the harmful side effects of a lot of these pharmaceutical medications, especially when you need to take them for a lifelong basis. Um, every pharmaceutical compound has 10 side effects that need 10 other pharmaceutical compounds. It's just this cascading, we'll call negative loop of needing to take something. I think there are much more natural approaches that can provide similar results with less side effects. And I think there's just so many people that are now also kind of gravitating towards that concept of, can I do this naturally? Okay, or could I supplement something natural? Um, and I think that that's just such an important process, right? We can't be so dependent on a corporation and a synthetic compound if it has extreme amounts of negative side effects, okay? I, I could not agree more about that. Um, and especially to your point of like something that might be an acute condition, something that, you know, is something that you only have like one period in your life that you might need pharmaceutical medication to get over that period in your life. And that's fine. I'm not trying to tell anyone that they should never take pharmaceuticals, but prescribing a, you know, 13-year-old kid a pharmaceutical that then they take for the next 25 years with like no follow-up of, you know, do I still need this? Is there any ways we can change our lifestyle to be able to accommodate for these factors better? And never rethinking that. I think that's really where the problem is. We can't think of drugs like that. And specifically like high doses of, of pharmaceutical single compound drugs. Um, I think that is kind of where it gets a little sticky, but of course there's uses of pharmaceuticals in your general well-being. Everyone goes, through these periods in their life where they need some help and using a physician and using a pharmaceutical, that's a lot of people's solution to that. But natural products can be a really good, safe way to use products over time or even in acute situations and never have to go through the pharmaceuticals. And as you said, all of those adverse effects with almost every pharmaceutical on the market. Well, and that's such a great point. And here is the biggest example is we just went through a global pandemic where depression was so in skyrocketed, anxiety skyrocketed. People were were so lonely and scared and worried. Okay, 
a doctor or sorry, a psych psychiatrist is possibly going to prescribe you a high antidepressant or high anti-anxiety medication. But like you said, with no follow-up, you could be now 10 years down the road from what could have been a two-year, one-year, two-year natural remedy to kind of ease your nerves and make life a little bit more manageable to then get back on your feet as the world started to open up. But we're not seeing that. We're seeing children at 8, 10, 12 years old being prescribed medications. And like you said, with no nurture or follow-up, for me, it's all about the children. Ever since I had kids, it clicked. It's like, they're the ones that are going to be crafting our world when we're older, and it's going to continue. So as much as we can create a world where our children are learning how to be self-sufficient, they're learning how to be like in tune with their bodies and kind of create the future as they see fit, and that's a healthier route, I'm all for it. So 100%, that's the the deep, deep goal of it is just help build that, you know? Yeah, and also we just constantly put children in a box and expect them to all learn the same way and to all test the same way and to not want to be kids. I mean, like we see kids playing, like we need to give them more opportunities to get out that energy and that creativity. And maybe not every kid should be learning the same way. We all have different brains. We all have different needs. And just medicating and sedating is almost never the answer to anything. No, I agree. Sedation is the perfect word. And it's like, I'll give you an example, right? When I was young, they tried to classify me as like um, ADHD or ADD, right? And they were probably right. Like, let's be realistic, okay? I I have like racing thoughts. I'm always energetic. That was probably accurate. Thank God my parents at the time said, "Uh, we'll put him in sports. We'll, We'll give him some sort of outlet, right? And I thrived in that. And then that built a base of, you know, learning how to work as a team and leadership, you know, blah, 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 right? But again, choosing to try first something that's natural or something that's more physical, like you said, physical, hydration, exercise, natural, try that first. I'm not against pharmaceuticals, but once all else fails, and you're stuck with nothing and need your help, that is there, right? I, I believe in that progression of try individually and then supplement as much as you can, then go to the, the end of the road. Um, I, I like that style. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of parents are probably a little apprehensive to try natural remedies because they might think it's kind of just like this hippie magic thing that doesn't actually work, you know, without knowing that 60% of pharmaceuticals come from natural products, but they're usually changed a little bit and, you know, patented, etc. Um, and, and, <laughs> and the natural products are really complex. There's a lot of different molecules in there um, that are kind of working together. And I think another huge issue is the time it takes to research and fully understand these natural products and that is kind of the goal of this podcast is to save people some time in researching or at least give them a starting point of where to research natural products because it is incredibly daunting um, to want to like I had migraines and I wanted to help cure those migraines or at least treat them with natural products but you know I actually don't use cannabis for my migraines because it's a vasodilator in every migraine medication is a vasoconstrictor so cannabis typically makes my migraines worse Mm -hmm. so I'm switching to other natural products and I'm fine like (laughs) 
trying new things on myself because, you know, N of one, you you got to. Um, But, you know, I read these traditional medicinal like recipes. I'm reading all the books behind me have to do with like natural products. And I'm really just trying to understand like mechanism and chemistry and pharmacology. But if you don't have a library of books behind you and you're not really familiar with the concepts discussed here, that is extremely, extremely difficult. And I can see why people would want to take the more simple and calculated route of pharmaceuticals. And yeah, I mean, time is like the biggest constrictor of, I think, everything in life because you can't do everything, especially if you have multiple companies and a family and a farm and, you know, a garden and all these things. There's just not enough time in the world. So I think I think that's a limiting factor, at least from what I've seen. A hundred percent. And again, you're just right on the head with it. So but that's why we chose to go with a simple isolate form formulated product because there is research, we can express it, we can show it, and we can be very transparent about the product and the test results because it's not convoluted, right? Of course, you and I know that isolate is not the most bioavailable form of cannabinoids. You know, all of these, a simple formulation without surfactants and things like that is not the most bioavailable format. It's not, but we know that it is daunting because we've spent 10 years in this field and it's still daunting for us to try and find the right information. So we just tried to make it as simple and straightforward as possible, knowing that there is room for better as we build a level of trust within our community and can start to have people become comfortable with how we like our style of educating. And then before you know it, now we have a community that understands cannabis. They trust us. We know that we're not perfect. Let's build together. And hey, guess what? Now here's water soluble. Now here's nano. Here are other adaptogens. Here are other things that we can do. And guess what? Now we're working with universities. Let's prove this, right? So that's kind of to go back to where do I see future compounds? That's kind of it is continuing to grow while building trust, educating our community while working with, you know, validated third parties like universities as we expand into what are the more complicated concepts of bioavailability, cannabinoids, other natural compounds. Um, I can't wait to get into those with with other universities. It's going to be great. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'm sure they would love to work with you because you're so transparent and because you're really focused on the research. Um, I I guess I have another question, but this is kind of just like for my own research purposes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> do you guys, um, like if, if I was after a specific cannabinoid for some sort of research project, do you extend into like the synthesis of other active ingredients, other cannabinoids, or are you kind of just what your website says that you sell? Is that kind of what you're doing right now? Or are you open to working with people to synthesize bulk ingredients for other kind of R&D projects. Yeah, so interesting. That's actually how Future Compounds started is we originally, yeah, we originally were just synthesizing extremely rare cannabinoids. We started with CBN, went into like the HHCs, THCVs, Ps, Bs, um, really, really were into the synthesis side of it. The problem with that was is we made a beautifully, perfectly pure bulk ingredient that had gone through so much chromatography. I mean, it was fucking perfect, but the brokers that were selling it didn't care at all. They were like, 
oh, what's the price on it? Oh, no, that's I don't care about how pure it is. I just need it cheaper. So we just quickly realized it wasn't a viable market for our moral code. So so that's where we ended up just kind of going into like the branded products and kind of very simple CBD, CBG, CBN. Uh, to answer your question, if Riley, if you personally wanted something unique and rare, I have at least a manufacturer or two that I trust to provide that for you, but it's not something we sell like on a mass market. Gotcha. Yeah. I think I think it might be important to talk about CBN a little bit more sure. because specifically like naturally occurring CBN is typically produced as a like degradation product of THC, right? So like if you're smoking, about one third of that THC is being converted to CBN or even if you leave like a THC uh, tincture in a window or something, it's going to slowly start converting to CBN. But to get like a, you know, strain that's high in CBN, like that's not going to happen. Um, so I think it's really important that you provide CBN to our community because CBN has been kind of anecdotally documented to be really helpful for sleep. And I know there's been reviews out that have like really looked into the research for CBN. And although there's a lot of stories of CBN helping people with sleep, we really don't have a lot of solid research for this yet. But I still add CBN to to sleep products that I make because, I mean, I'd like your opinion on this, but I believe that CBN helps people with sleep because it's a less potent form of THC and people don't, they want help getting to sleep and staying asleep, but they don't want that groggy feeling in the morning that you get from using high THC products. So CBN, which is less potent than THC, can be kind of this perfect medium to help you get to sleep, stimulate those CB1 receptors, activate them. You might feel a little bit of an effect, but you're not going to be like blazed out of your mind before bed, which although like... I love that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, totally. Um, so, okay, we'll start with like how is CBN created? So um, you have a cannabis plant. Let's start with like a THC cannabis plant because that's what most people will know. So you have a THC flower. In that flower, there are hundreds of compounds. THC is probably the most prevalent compound there, let's say a 20 or 30%. Okay, so... That THC is the acidic form, so THCA. We know that when we smoke or consume, that decarboxylation happens, and that THCA turns into active delta-9 THC. So that's what you're actually consuming. That's psychoactive and psychotropic. That's the delta-9 THC. That delta-9 THC then degrades into the next form of compounds, which is CBN or cannabinol. So all cannabinol is is a degradate of delta-9 THC, which is the degradate of THCA. So very simple, you know, kind of step down of how that compound is created. Now, to answer your question, most cannabis flower only degrades to CBN or possibly synthesizes very low percentages of CBN, like half a percent, one percent, two percent, maybe. Okay. So um, with that concept, pure CBN is very rarely extracted. You would have to have so much THC biomass to get a 1% yield on CBN with the dopest flash chromatography setup you've ever seen that cost $5 million to get a kilo of CBN, which would cost a half a million dollars for a kilo. I was gonna say, and yeah. who on earth would yeah. do that? That's so expensive. 
So that's just not how CBN is made. Um, we've tried everything. We've tried putting THC under UV light with heat in a rotation flask for months. It just does not work that way. Not, not at the rate that people want to consume, okay? So how is CBN created then? Very similar to pharmaceutical setups where it's like it is a synthetic organic chemistry process, but it's not full synthetic, meaning um, unnatural compounds stuck together. That would That's what I would classify as synthetic, okay? Yeah. Right, where it's like olivetol and this, and we're now combining these two molecules. I would call that a full synthetic, okay? Yeah. CBN is not full synthetic. Now, it can be created full synthetic, but what you're buying on the market is not that most likely. So how CBN is created is by taking that same concept of degrading THC and a CBN. So you just do that with like an acidic reagent like a sulfur or an iodine or really there's there's a, there's many forms to do that. But long story short, we take delta 9s and delta 8s, any THCs and then do some sort of chemical reaction to that that then converts that molecule into a degradate which is just CBN. Then we go through, and this is where our company really shines, is we go 5, 10, 15 steps into purifying that CBN. That first, that first conversion, many companies can do that. Many companies can create CBN. The problem is, is as we discussed earlier, on a full panel test from a third party, that reagent that was used in that chemical process, that's not on their full panel. That's something you would have to ask for. They would have to have a standard for it. So let's say using sulfur for that conversion, that's your reagent for THC to CBN. You're not going to go to a third-party lab and just be like, yeah, I have a, a certified reference material for pure sulfur or sulfur dioxides, and I'll put that in your full panel. It's not happening. So Right, but it's in your final product. It's just not tested in your third-party analysis. So people don't know it's there. The only person who knows it's there is the person who created it, which mm -hmm. is a huge problem. And let's keep talking about CBN, but this yeah. also kind of dovetails into Delta-8 THC products mm -hmm. and kind of what we're seeing with the, these other isomers of THC that are on the market. Yeah, so you nailed it. So the manufacturer themselves know what ingredients they used during their chemical processes or their extractions, all of that. But if the third party test doesn't know what chemicals to look for, it's not going to show up. And guess what? The really scary part is the end consumer, they have absolutely no clue. Because now that bulk ingredient has been formulated into a product that has no signs of any processing. It's just a finished product with a nice package, right? So that's where we truly care about our products. And when it comes to like CBN production, let's say, we go through multiple in-house analysis of that reagent during what we call chromatography. You know chromatography. All chromatography is is a very specific way to pull impurities out of a solution based on its polarity, its pore size, just all that kind of stuff. So we do a ton of chromatography to all of our isolates, and that's where we get to what we call ultra-refined. That's not a marketing term for us. That is a process that we've developed um, that makes the product more refined and more pure, and we do also third-party test to prove that innocence. Um, most companies do not do that. So again, with CBN, it's not truly naturally extracted 99% of the time. 99% of the time, it's not ultra, ultra clean and refined like ours. 
and the end consumer just will never know. And the manufacturer will never tell you. So it's unfortunate, but that's why I hope you guys can trust us and come to us for that kind of product because we do care about that. So, 100%. And, you know, going back to Delta 8 products now and these other products, it's I've always said there's nothing inherently bad about Delta 8 THC. It's actually a great molecule to use. It's great if you don't have access to Delta 9 THC or you want a slightly less potent form of Delta 9 THC. The issue comes with these people that are trying to produce it and they're not held at that same standard that you're talking about so they could potentially be releasing these products that have these other products from synthesis whether it's you know a solvent or a chemical or something else that's not being tested for and it's making it into that final product that people are then ingesting at relatively high doses if that delta 8 thc was pure pure delta 8 thc i don't think we'd be seeing any of the adverse effects we're seeing from these delta 8 products Yeah, 100% agree, and that is the problem. It is the other impurities within the ingredient that are not being um, shown transparently. It's the same thing with cannabis flower, too. It's like there are microbials. It's a plant, so there's moisture, so that means there's possibly microbials. There's definitely pesticides. It's a plant in a soil which collects heavy metals. I mean, there are absolutely unsafe Things that happen and accumulate and occur during pretty much every process of anything in the world. So if you're going to be consuming it, that's where you just need to be testing for those specific things. Cannabis, CBD, it's no different. If you're going to be eating a food source, you also want that same level. It's like, are you eating organic or are you eating foods with, you know, processed ingredients that are keeping that from degrading it's like it is again another great analogy from organic food to processed food or refined ingredients to non-refined industrial ingredients same concept yeah absolutely i think there's so many parallels between the food you eat and the medicine you take and just you know making sure that you have the the highest quality and specifically most pure for the conversation we're talking about in in cannabis. Something that I love doing, well, this is something, you know, I've worked with a lot of isolated compounds. You know, I've actually isolated a lot of new compounds in my career and these different things. And something I love looking at is the physical characteristics of different molecules. Mm. And that's something I really appreciated when I started to use the isolate products from future compounds is they actually look different. So Mm -hmm. like CBG versus CBN versus CBD, they have different densities. Some are like fluffier than others. Some are slightly colored, some are pure white. And again, usually when we conceptualize molecules, we're not really thinking of them in like a powder form, but I think this can really help people understand the differences in these molecules because they are physically different molecules that have different effects on our body. And even though they're all cannabinoids, they're relatively similar in structure, the small structural differences actually make them physically different than each other. And again, if you make your own medicine at home, this is another thing that just starts to kind of click in your head. You start to learn that these things are different. They might have different solubility and different oils and in different things. And it's, I think it's cool to just like visually see the product that you're working with that's going to go into your body and how it's different. 
Yeah, it's actually a really interesting point because you're so right. Oh, we'll go through CBD, CBG, CBN, and like what the physical differences are, okay? So you look at something like CBD where since it's an extractable compound, meaning there was no synthesis needed, it's just extracted, it's relatively like kind of looks archaic where it like could be yellow, it could be slightly tan, it could oxidize, it still contains some moisture, but it's like a dry powder. I would classify it more as like a flower type consistency where it can be a fine powder, but it can also clump and like can have slightly different colors, okay? Um, CBG is like really interesting because it's really oily, but like really fluffy. Like- So fluffy. It's, it's so, so cool. <laughs> I, every time I play with CBG, I just, for some reason, in the back of my mind, I'm like, I want to stuff a pillow with this. Like, I don't know why. <laughs> and, and don't have, like, a fan on in the room because that will literally just, like, oh, yeah. flow everywhere. <laughs> so CBG is really fluffy. Um, and it's so odd because now we've extracted thousands of kilos of CBG and it's so weird but there is something about it's the molecule itself because we get this hemp biomass from the same farms but the CBD will have relatively no smell but the CBG when purified and ultra refined it has this like barn smell to it like a barn it's so Whoa, it's that's so crazy. so and I'm like it's kind of baffling to us because we've ran like a hundred panel terpene test and we're like okay it's not terpenes we've duh like they're all low boiling point even the high boiling points we've gotten those out you know we're going through chromatography so those like that polarity of a solvent hydrocarbon terpene that's absolutely been removed and we're like it came from the same farm that the cbd came from but it has this like unique smell to it and some batches have it more than others and we're like we follow the same CGMP process every extraction. Nothing changes. The same technician. So, again, that's just something that is maybe unique to CBG. And it's something that we're still kind of like, it's fun to figure out. So, um, again, I'm just gonna go different. I'm going to smell my CBG after this. Because Do it. I've never actually done that. Um, but I need to now. Yeah. And it's like, it, it might just be a unique characteristic of that compound again like a another just simple analogy would be sulfur it's like sulfur has a smell there's it's that's what that molecule provides okay um now if we talk about like cbn very dense very pure crystal very very fine powder very hard crystal structure um if the CBN is pure, it absolutely should be snow white, like snow white, not a single hint to it at all. If you see a yellow hint in CBN, that is a sulfur or sulfur dioxide. All that is, is the reagent impurity still remaining in there if there's yellow. If there's like a orange or tan, that the majority of that is a residual solvent that then evaporated and degraded. Okay, so that's normally what that color is, which I'd rather have a degraded solvent than a degraded reagent, personally. Yeah. Okay, yeah. it's like near impossible to get 100% of the solvents out of a crystal. It's like, it's nearly impossible. Okay, so there's always going to be a small ppm, parts per million or parts per billion amount of solvent. That's always going to happen. Um, then if you have like a pink or a purple, um, that's iodine. So that is literally an iodine reagent still in your CBN. Um, 
when CBN first came out, iodine was like the first technique that people used. And they went and tried to market it as, well, CBN is naturally pink on the spectrum. And, you know, like there are some studies that show that that molecule may show pink signs, um, like when refracting light at it on an HPLC, but it's like not in a natural state. Okay. Yeah, maybe under a micro, <laughs> maybe under a microscope in an HPLC, like with heavy equipment. Sure. Um, <laughs> but so CBN essentially should be snow white CBD cannabidiol could have a yellow or tan tint to it. That's normal. CBG is like, that actually has a slightly, could have a slightly pink tint to it. Um, and that is natural. There are no chemical processes, at least for us, it's an extractable compound. So fluffy, oily, slightly pink, slightly tan for the CBG. Cool. And I think a study just came out like last month that was looking at um, degradation products of CBD and how that turns purple. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, um, you know, at future compounds of anything that happening. But I did some research on CBD degradation products in grad school and this was like a side project, one of my 100 side projects that I was just like, cool, purple, let's research it um, <laughs> with no funding and no time. But, you know, I started down this like rabbit hole and a paper just came out that actually identified the degradation product of CBD that's responsible for that color. I think I always thought it was like the quinones, CBD quinone right. that are formed. But I think it's a, a little more complicated than that. I don't remember what the actual molecule was called. Um, but if you ever do see CBD products that are like purple or or pink, um, it likely is a product of degradation. And I believe it's still relatively safe as far as we know. But I think you shouldn't be uh, looking for the pink products if you can just buy a clear product that's probably better. And I also want to tell the listeners if you want to make CBD topicals like lotions and creams and salves or CBG or CBN, you have an endocannabinoid system in your skin. You can make products really easily to go on your skin. It's it's very, very simple. And it's, again, way more accessible if you make those products at home. Yeah, you were... should release topicals. That would be a great next thing to... <laughs> It is though. It's so it's so funny. Like you're actually the person that really solidified the the like research for the um like the the CB glands being within our skin. Okay, so thank you. Absolutely, I appreciate you. You know, just again, just doing what you do naturally, which is educate. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool actually. Like things like eczema and psoriasis and these different conditions are often like thought to be a product of dysregulation of our endocannabinoid system because they're very inflammatory. And we know that activation of our endocannabinoid system results in anti-inflammatory actions. So if you have these you know, conditions, I would 100% say that cannabis products won't hurt and they absolutely could help. Um, so try them out at home if you're interested. Well, and we've talked about this topic a lot where almost nearly most of the cannabinoids that we've come across indicate that they are anti-inflammatory, they're analgesic, uh, you know, they're just, they're also, you know, gosh, they just do such a great job at reducing inflammation. And we know that inflammation is associated with so many serious disease states that it's like, you should just take CBD or CBG or CBN to reduce inflammation on a consistent basis to try and avoid a severe disease state. Like that's how I look at most of the compounds I'm taking. It's like preventative, right? Mm 
yeah inflammation is the root of all evil and in my opinion and even things like lifestyle stress like that can cause inflammation in your body it's not like you need a traumatic brain injury to have significant inflammation that you should be taking cbd and these other products like your day-to-day lifestyle is probably causing enough inflammation that it's reasonable for you to take these products um i have a question that i actually have no idea what the answer is sure um are you part of um, future4200.com? Um, yeah. Because I, w- I would love for you to describe what this website, I just remembered this. Sorry, this is mm. so like chaotic. But no. um, so there's a website called future4200.com, and it's an absolute staple in the cannabis industry to at least browse it. Most people have an account, um, but a lot of people just browse it, and it's kind of like a community forum for people that are producing or using um, cannabis products. And it really has like saved a lot of people's careers or just like lifestyles in the cannabis industry. So can you describe what this website is and why you guys started it? Yeah, so it's kind of funny because a lot of people don't know that we created that forum. We don't like market it. We don't market our products on there. Uh, Yeah, so my business partner, Dustin, or Future4200 on Instagram, he's the original founder and creator of the forum. Um, I've been with him since very close to uh, conception of that. And the forum essentially is an open source forum, just like Reddit. Such an easy analogy. It's very similar to Reddit but for cannabis extraction, hemp, the cannabis industry as a whole. Um, It is now the largest cannabis extraction forum in the world. We have two to... Yeah. We have two (laughs) to 2.1 million active users a month globally. That's crazy. Yeah. And we never monetized it and we aren't going to. We want to keep it as just like this pure place for people sharing cannabis education, information, and like you said, if you went to 9 out of 10 cannabis labs in the United States, possibly in the world, possibly, seriously possibly in the world, most of them, 9 out of 10 people, the technicians, the managers, the owners, are either on the forum, that's where they learn their techniques from, or that's where they got their original like boost of energy and confidence from. So it, it has a played a really big role in the cannabis industry and we're humbly appreciative of what it's turned into. I I literally learned distillation from the future 4200 uh, threads. Like I read like 10 different threads and I'm like, okay, I can figure this out because we, you know, I had never done distillation, but I was like, okay, conceptually, like I understand what I should be doing. But then, you know, you're like, everything's messed up you have terrible like pressure everything's just wrong and i'm like okay i need to troubleshoot here because something's going wrong and it just it makes you feel so much better that so many people have had this issue before there's already a million answers you don't need to re-ask the question you simply just need to find the thread that's relevant to your question and then you just read through them and people are so 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 helpful it's actually amazing how willing they are to share these like industry secrets almost with other people just because they didn't have anyone to help them. So they just want to share their knowledge and, you know, help other people learn. It's kind of amazing. So that's actually what started it is Dustin worked for Skunk Farms, which was a cultivation forum. 
and me and him were more into the extraction side. We just went to the nerdy chemistry route because that's our passion. And he started it. It started to, you know, pop off. And at that time, both me and him were consulting on pesticide remediation um, techniques for companies. It started to get to where there were so many pesticides throughout hemp and THC throughout the United States that we couldn't consult on all of them. At that point, as you said, the industry was very much take you under your wing and maybe I'll teach you some things kind of mentality, which we hated. We weren't for that at all. So we said, yo, me and Dustin looked at each other. We said, let's put these SOPs on the forum. Like, let's just see what happens. And it went nuts. Like people just started, started to be like self-sufficient and then using these techniques to become consultants themselves, it was like, it just flourished into like this beautiful thing. We had so many people hate us. It's like, you're going to mess up my consulting job and this and that. And it's like, you know what? The best survives at the end of the day. Like if you are truly good and people trust you and you do good quality business, then you shouldn't be concerned at all. You should be happy that people are understanding these techniques more. So um, it just became exactly as you said. No one would teach us. It was very hard to share this information at all. Dustin created a place to do so, and we just put everything on there. Example, I was like one of the first people that really created like a decent SOP for Delta 8 conversion. It's definitely been better, much better now. Um, But that download or that SOP alone has like over 17,000 downloads last time I checked, which was like six Whoa, months ago. That's incredible. So people are out there doing this stuff. Like you're like, we have support groups. It's like you said, the answer is there. You just have to go look for it. You just need to find it. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. like the consultants are still going to make plenty of money. I mean, the, the reason I was using it is, yeah, I could have definitely hired a consultant, but, you know, that's often like $2,000. And if you're at a startup or you just made your own company and you really can't afford that, having a resource, and if the answer is not on there, and if you ask a question, somebody's going to respond within like 20 minutes. like and 20 and seconds, gonna, maybe. Yeah, 20 uh, yeah. seconds. It's just going to start a new thread. And it's it also c- kind of just shows the evolution of the industry. Like you see like people aren't really asking questions about distillation anymore because you don't have to because those are already on the forum. But these kind of newer things that are emerging, that's kind of what's being asked on the forum, which is also just cool to see what's what's happening in the cannabis industry right now. Where are the gaps? And hopefully the consultants can see that and say, okay, well, these questions have been asked a lot recently. I'm going to become an expert on this and I'm going to teach people how to do that. You're such a beautifully brilliant person. I love how your brain works. It, it's great. It's like, it's you're, you're so right. It's like, if you're intelligent enough to see just kind of a trend of where an industry is and identify a gap, and then you're a decent person, well, there's success, right? It's like, that's all future compounds is. It's like, we saw CBD. We already knew about it. We knew there was research. We have credibility. And saw there's this giant gap of nothing dosed appropriately. So we just made clean, good products from a genuine point of view and then provided that to people that they could afford. It's like, it wasn't rocket science. Anyone could recreate what we've done, but we're fine with that because we have confidence in our trust level and people like to rock with us. It's like, it's just, it's just a natural evolution of like good business, good people, 
a good industry. And it's like, wherever you have limited regulation, you always have an abundance of like fuckery, right? Of just like shitty companies. So if you're just a good person and create something good, you'll probably succeed in the cannabis space. Seriously. No, I mean, I would say that for like all natural products, like, like just focus on creating good products, being transparent. And I always think educating is just a great way to just have people trust you. Like as an educator, if you're taking the time to put all that information out there, people will probably trust you. And another thing about the, the future 4200, it's, um, it's also hilarious, kind of like, yeah. like, yeah. like yeah, people are really helpful, but also it just seems like people really are st- kind of know these these regular users and it's just there's a lot of just jokes and just like making fun of people but in like a in a fun way just like on reddit it's it's actually pretty entertaining to look through the forum um i actually i should i haven't been on in a minute i should probably log on soon and see what's new same yeah it's it's i definitely to anyone listening that's going to jump on there for the first time definitely just know in advance people can be assholes everywhere (laughs) it's like think about the forum as like the twitter of social media where someone's gonna bash you if you ask a pretty like i don't know basic question um but it's like, again, take everything with a grain of salt. Um, do what Riley did, which is just find the topic that you want to research. And there's probably already a really, really good thread about that. Then you don't even have to put yourself out there. And you can find people by just reading the comments and finding someone that you think is a decently nice person that's willing to engage with you. And if you have another question that hasn't been answered, you can just ask that person by saying, yeah, they look like a nice person, okay, right? But the the guy or girl that's on there just like trolling and hating on someone, yeah, don't engage with that person and don't send them a DM, right? Like it's no different than Reddit, yeah. I was gonna say, just like literally any social media platform. Uh, Yeah. um, (laughs) or, Or any sort of platform, yeah, it's, Definitely just start with searching your subject matter and seeing what's already been published because what nobody likes doing is repeating themselves 800 times. So it takes four seconds to research, but it's an incredible resource for the cannabis industry. And I imagine it's probably evolving into psychedelics as well as people continue to, um, you know, isolate different compounds from these mushrooms or try to standardize or create methods for analyzing psilocybin containing mushrooms or these other nutraceutical compounds i haven't looked into this at all this is just kind of a i'm assuming this is where it's going but yeah who knows no it's that's another great reason why we aren't going to monetize it because as as long as you keep money out of the equation then it truly is just free speech there's nothing being exchanged there are parts of it that are being exchanged where like you can hire consultants and there's verified consultants and things like that. Um, the moderators on the forum, just like Reddit, will moderate that a paid consultant won't talk about a certain topic, okay? Or won't push something that may be speculative or whatever, right? So there are moderators, but that's what's so great about it, mainly just being an open source forum is you can kind of talk about anything. It's like, uh yeah uh, it's just an open source where you can talk about anything and there's a definitely conversation about really synthesizing and kind of extracting pretty much anything well not anything i won't say that but you know <laughs> a lot of things yeah. not everything yet but yeah. it, it is a great resource mm-hmm. so 
I guess um, moving forward, I think I'm. This will actually be my final question. But <laughs> okay, <laughs> I believe you. If any of the listeners <laughs> want to get into the cannabis industry, what is one piece of advice that you would give a listener who wanted to either start working at a job or maybe even open up their own company? Okay, great question. It's a multifaceted question. So if you want to get into the cannabis space, there are multiple routes to do that. There aren't really that many like accredited colleges or anything like that. And it's probably going to be a waste of money. Um, very is expensive. very expensive and like you don't necessarily need it, right? So um, if you want to get into like the flower and cultivation side of it, there's always now it's just like any. I hate the fact that in, in the cannabis space, there's a lot of entitlement where oh because it's cannabis, we think we should be like a manager in six months. It's like it's just like any other job. It's like if you don't have the experience, okay, start it like a trim position or start like as a bud tender at a dispensary, learn the craft, learn the, the verbiage, learn the science. And then from there, maybe work your way into a cultivation where you're working on the plants at veg. And then now you're working in, you know, flowering and now you're possibly a manager, but it's like, okay, so if you like the flower side of it, start that way. Okay, start low end and just work your way in, expect to not get paid a million dollars, but you're going for the passion of it, okay? Um, if you want to go the CBD route, it's kind of like really open. There are so many small companies and big companies that you could go learn with or from. Um, if you want to go into the extraction side of it, same thing. Find a place and maybe you do have to start in the trim department to then get to the lab department, right? It's like, it's, it is. It's a natural progression just like any other business to just jump into a lab with explosive chemicals and C1, D1 boosts and, you know, you don't want to do that. Trust me, as fun as it may look, it is a risky job. 100%. So, you know, again, it's just the natural progression if you want to work in the industry is to just go baby steps. Don't be entitled. Be appreciative and ask people for help because if you truly are asking for help, people are ready to teach. Everyone in the cannabis space, most people in the cannabis space do truly want to share and learn and work together. So if you're genuine, someone will be there to help you. So just go at it with that approach. Um, if you want to start your own business, it is, I'm not even a lie, it's daunting, it's hard. There's so many hoops to jump through. There's so many what ifs. Like Riley, I'm going to be honest, every month, I'm questioning whether it's like, is regulation going to change and shut down my business? I don't know. So it's a scary space to be in for sure because of how much of a limbo it's just constantly in and how it's different in every single state and federally, you know, who knows what they're thinking of or how much money they're getting paid to do whatever they're making decisions on. But we're not part of that conversation, which is a huge issue. Yeah. Like, for example, you know how Future Compounds, we started as doing extraction and conversions of minor cannabinoids well we're in the state of nevada and literally a year after we had started business nevada came out with a regulation that said you no longer can do semi-synthetic or synthetic conversions so we literally lost that portion of our business and had to move that and literally with it was just done there was no talk about it it was just like yeah. hey here's the new bill shut your business down what like yeah, you have a week good luck less than it's like it's active now there was no there was no grace right um yeah so if you're trying to get a start a business in the cannabis space my honest opinion is learn the craft first for sure 
learn it. Yeah. yeah, go around people that are in it and find what your niche might be before you go investing a life savings or partnering with someone. I always say that you're one decision away from either making your life or breaking your life. So it's like definitely take cannabis as the same concept as anything else. Don't just start a business without knowing the business. Yes, you should take risks and to try and do something for your life, but I don't know rocket science. I'm not going to drop everything and put my life savings in a building and beating Elon Musk at creating rockets tomorrow. Same thing with cannabis. Take baby steps and you'll eventually start your company if you want to. I love that advice. I think that's extremely helpful for listeners. And, you know, I just want to reiterate a couple points that you made. Uh, one about just kind of asking questions, but part of that too is doing research on your own about no matter what your job is, whether it's a bud tender, whether it's a lab tech, whether you're a trimmer, whatever, you need to do research on your own so you can ask the right questions as well. And just the importance of getting your foot in the door. That's sometimes just the hardest part of getting into the industry is just like getting into the industry. So, you know, getting any sort of position that works with cannabis, um, even kind of tangentially, like if, if you can work with cannabis in the cannabis industry, it's going to be a lot easier to get another job in the industry after that because you've already, you know, you have a little bit of experience. But I would completely agree. You shouldn't be starting a business unless you're either like, unless you've been making products at home for like a really, really long time and you're very educated on it. Um, or I would have a lot of experience in the industry before starting your own business because it is, it is a lot. And in cannabis and cannabinoids, uh, you probably will need some sort of like lawyer too because there's so much legal landscape in this space. It's really not easy to just kind of know the laws and know like marketing, advertising. It's all extremely, extremely difficult. Um, so it, it, it is costly to kind of take that route. And you don't need to be a cannabis consumer, but I would at least be very aware of what cannabis consumers are looking for and at least be part of the community in some way um, yeah. instead of being like kind of anti-cannabis and trying to run a cannabis company. Well, and like say you're like you don't enjoy THC, that's fine. Like go to CBD and I, to I will totally say that like you actually kind of put a thought in my brain that's like, duh, well, you know what? You kind of could be much closer to starting like your own personal CBD brand or formulation brand much more simpler than like going into THE. The THE market, as I've already explained to you, it's so hard to get into that as an owner that it almost didn't seem feasible for me. And I'm a 10 year veteran in the industry, have the largest form in the world on cannabis extraction. And I still was like, I don't know if I want to do that. Like, uh, uh, you know, so again, like starting your own small CBD brand, I'm going to go back to the point of if you're a good person and you make good products and you stand up for what you do, you have a high likelihood of succeeding. But as Riley said, when it comes to anything cannabis, like I know CBD is legal in all 50 states federally, but think about banking, payment processors. You can't just walk into a, a Chase or a Wells Fargo bank and start a business account for a CBD business. You could lie about it, but the truth is, is they want you to have very extensive checks when it comes to anything, banking, finances, um, like you said, lawyers. Man, it's just, just happened to me at yeah. the bank. They mm. just closed down my account. And it, it'll keep so. happening. And it's like, so it's like, that's just another prime example of like banking. 
you might have to get a cannabis-friendly bank, which guess what? They're going to charge you a very high monthly fee, like a $500 or $750 a month fee just to have that bank account. And guess what? You don't have a debit card either. It's wire transfers only. It's like, it's definitely, uh, there's a lot of hoops to jump through. And the more you know cannabis or CBD, the more you'll be passionate to fight the battle. If you're not passionate about it, you're not going to want to fight this battle. Period. Yeah, it's not the easy route for sure, no. um, by any means. Yeah. Well, I appreciate all this advice. I really think it's going to help people who want to get into the industry. And I super appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today, to talk to the audience, and really just kind of break down all of these details that go into owning and operating a company like the one you have, Future Compounds, that is helping so many people provide accessible and effective medicine. And I hope some of the listeners um, check out your website and check out your products. Again, I recommend these to a lot of people, but I'm not going to tell you who to support. You make that on your decision on your own. But this is a really high quality, great company and obviously run by great people. Well, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. And, you know, as I've, I've already explained, I have a lot of respect for you and individuals like yourself that are, you know, out there fighting the same fight, which is just trying to educate and share on a topic and in an industry that we believe in does provide good and should have progress in it. So as much as um, I, I want to appreciate the, uh, the gratitude you just gave me, I'd like to give it right back and say that it, it doesn't happen without people like yourself. So thank you. You're a big proponent of, of the industry too. All right, I will be uploading a document on Patreon that is a step-by-step -step guide on how I make my tinctures at home. I will also link the YouTube video that I have on the subject if you're more of a visual learner. Speaking of YouTube, the video portion of this podcast is available on YouTube with captions if you'd prefer them. So thank you so much for joining for this episode, and we will be back for another episode next Friday. Mad love. <laughs>